Hi, welcome to another inspirational message recorded live at Oceans Unite Christian Center. Well, good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for being out here tonight in the house of the Lord. Um, before I get started, I'd just like to give honor to the Spirit of Christ, who is the head of my life, the head of my family's life, the head of the body, and the head of the church. I'd like to give a warm and a huge thank you to Pastors Alex and Naomi for allowing me this opportunity and allowing me to grace the pulpit tonight. Thank you so much for believing in me. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you, Pastor Alex, for always pointing me to God and pointing me to the Word. And uh, just uh, like to acknowledge my wife and my son and uh, Joshua and uh, I acknowledge each and every one of you and your respectable places, and um, there's just too many people to name and just thank, and um, you guys are awesome. You're amazing, because God, God is amazing, and God lives inside of you, so that must mean that you're amazing. And uh, if I do too many acknowledgments, you may ask me, you know, um, well, Brian, what happened to the word? And then I'm going to have to respond. Well, I was too busy acknowledging everyone, and I didn't get to the word. So, so I believe that God has given me a word for you guys tonight. And um, I really appreciate this book. Um, this is the second book of Moses. It kind of follows Genesis. Genesis flows right into this book, the book of Exodus, and um, it shows us the mighty working power of God and the lives of his people. And it shows us that God does not fail, no matter what our situation may look like, no matter what our circumstances may be like. No matter how many lies the devil tries to throw at us or get us to believe or get us to uh, conjure up in our mind, here we're going to see how God moved, even in the Old Testament, powerfully in the lives of his people. And God was looking for his people. God was calling out his people. And... Um, the first scripture I'm going to be coming out of Exodus 12:51, 12:51, and it came to pass on that very same day that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies, according to their armies. I like how he uses the term here, armies. A lot of times throughout the Old Testament, you'll see either the children of Israel, the Hebrews, the children of God. But here, he calls it, he calls them their armies. He brings them out according to their armies. Here we see God bring the children of Israel out by armies. Here God does not use the term tribes, but rather the term armies. This book, Exodus, is a Greek word that refers 
to departure. Departure. And I'm sure a lot of you are students of the word and you read your Bible and you will know that God's plan of salvation and redemption is a departure out of something. It's a coming out. It's a drawing out. Here in the book of Exodus, we see almost like in the book of Acts in the beginning when God pours out of his spirit upon the church and the church's birth. Here we will see that the children of Israel come through the Red Sea on dry ground. How the waters divided, the waters parted for the children of Israel to come through. And it shows us the magnificence, the power, and the majesty of our God. Because we all will go through things in our lives, are going through in our lives, or have gone through things in our lives that have caused us to doubt the very power and presence of God, of his spirit. And a lot of times it's because that we're looking at our circumstances, we're looking at our situation, we're looking at what we don't have. And the truth of the matter is, is that we don't have anything except God gives it to us. Is the, the Israelites did not have the strength or the power to be able to come out of the bondage that they were living in. They did not have the, the strength or the mental fortitude to be able to come out of the slavery that they were in bondage to, to the Egyptians. They had waited for some scholars say over 400 years for a deliverer. I can't tell you the amount of times that I cried out to a God that I really didn't even believe in, hoping that somehow, some way that this deliverer would come through and bring me out. Bring me out uh, into this place where I could experience freedom, where I could experience wholeness. Exodus is a Greek word that refers to the word departure of Israel from Egypt, and it is the dominant historical, the dominant historical fact in the book is God's delivery system. And a lot of times God's delivery system does not always look like the way that you and I would envision it. It does not look like the way that you and I would plan it or you and I would draw up a schematic for our lives to be delivered or to be healed or to get what we think that we need. Exodus 13, verse 3, and Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Remember, because we, we get amnesia at times. We get down the road, we get in our journey with God, we get in our walk with God, and we're all filled with butterflies when we first come to God and we get saved. And then oftentimes down the road, we forget where God has brought us out of. We forget where God has brought us from and we can see it, we can see the evidence of it in our lives at times because we do things that are contrary to what God brought us out of. 
We think things that are contrary to what God told us not to think or how to believe. God even teaches us in his word how to believe. That's why the apostle Paul said in Romans, be not conformed to this world, be not transformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God even teaches us how to think because remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of the hand of the Lord, the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Okay, God, you've just brought me out of this place of bondage. You just brought me out of this, this dark place of depression. You just brought me out of this place where I wanted to give up, this place where I was hopeless and apathetic and living in despair. And the first thing that he tells him, don't eat. What? Don't eat leavened bread is what he says. It is important for us to reflect at times and remember how the Lord has brought us out of bondage and sin and placed us in Christ. He's placed us in his son. He's paid a price for us so high that no money in the world, no amount of wealth in the world could pay for our lives, that it had to be the blood of his son, that it had to be the blood of a human life in order to redeem us. If you don't think, if you don't think that we're not that sick, before we come to God. The very fact that blood had to be shed for you and I shows us the depravity of the human heart. Shows us the depravity of our mind. That we would be willing to give up our lives like, like Esau did for a morsel of bread. That he was willing to give up the blessing of God on his life just so he could fulfill his appetite. And God has made us into a new creation, washed us and cleansed us by the blood of Jesus. Washed us and cleansed us by the blood of Jesus. By the baptism of water. The rituals that God has set up for you and I to be cleansed. God's delivery system, bringing us out of a place of bondage, bringing us out of a place of darkness, bringing us out of a place of sin because sin was a condition. It was a state that you and I were living in. And if you were anything like me, I was comfortable in it. I was like a pig wallowing in the mire going a hundred miles in the wrong direction. Not only has he washed us, but he's given us the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. Holy Ghost, fire. It's in the Bible. You can read it. Fire is in the Bible because God uses fire to burn away dross. He uses it to burn away corruption. He uses it to burn away defilement. When we find ourselves in a mess, 
when we find ourselves going in the wrong direction, when we find ourselves slowly drifting away from God, God will bring the fire. Have you ever seen woods or land that was overgrown and they come in and they do what's called a brush fire? And it burns out all the unnecessary, uh, the, all the unnecessary um, growth, all the invasive growth that grows underneath, that comes in and it crowds out the trees that need to grow, the seeds that need to grow, the things that need to grow. And God brings the fire to purge away. Leaven was symbolic for mixture. And God talks about this in the book of Revelation, but I, I, I let, I'll save that for Pastor Alex. It was also, it was symbolic for corruption and hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. A lot of what we see today at times, and also I've experienced and seen in my own life, is hypocrisy. If God says that you are born again, if you have confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are born again. The Bible declares if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Now that shall be saved may, uh, may play out in a way that you never imagined it. I didn't think this could happen in my walk with God. I didn't think God would allow me to go through such harsh treatment. I didn't think God would allow me to go through such heartache. I didn't think that God would allow my children to walk out and leave one day. This isn't the way that I planned my life, God. This is the way that I envisioned it. I didn't think God would allow me to get cancer. I didn't think God would allow me to get HIV. Not myself, I'm just speaking hypothetically. I didn't think God would allow me to get hepatitis. I didn't, I didn't think God would allow me to lose my job after 20 or 30 years. Hypocrisy. I don't know about you. I don't want to just wear the Christian t-shirt. I don't want to just learn all the Christian cliches. I want to experience the presence of Jesus Christ. I want to experience the power of God. I want to experience what he did in Jesus inside of me. <laughs> Hypocrisy, being somebody that you're not. You know when nobody else is around and you're on the job and you're laughing at things you know you wouldn't laugh at in church. But you're laughing at it on the job. You're laughing at it around family. You're being somebody that you're not because you are not of the world. You are not a sinner. God has called you a saint. You are being somebody that God never created you to be. The hypocrisy, the leaven. He says, eat no unleavened bread. He wanted them to be set apart. He didn't want them to be mixed with the world. 
mixed with corruption or mixed with the ways of the Egyptians. Mind you, they had been in Egypt, some scholars say 320, 340, some scholars say up to 430 years living the ways of the Egyptians, living the ways of the world. Be patient with yourself. Be patient in your walk with God. As Pastor Alex has mentioned many times and said many times, that God not only likes you, but he loves you. God knows every detail about our lives. Jesus said the very hairs on our head are all numbered. He wanted them to be set apart just like he wants us to be set apart from the world. But this setting apart doesn't come from, from, uh, from our own human will. It doesn't come from our own knowledge of what we may know about theology or what we may know about scripture. It comes from an indwelling, it comes from an indwelling, residing presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, transforming us and conforming us into his image and into his likeness, using everything around us to make us look like himself, to set us apart parts of the world can see that there is a God. The Israelites had spent some 430 years in Egypt in bondage and slavery. I can't tell you the amount of years from the time that I was a child that I cried out to this God that I didn't even know. God, why did I have to be born into a family like this? God, why are my parents always drinking? God, why are my parents always cussing and fighting? Are you even there? Are you even real, God? God, why would you allow me to go through such harsh conditions as a child? And then being introduced to things in the world that bring us even more into a deeper darkness and a deeper bondage. But sometimes it's so dark, it's so deceptive, we can't even see it. That's why it's called deception. Everybody else sees it, but you don't. God sees it. And God has a plan and a will and a purpose to bring you out. It took one night for them to be delivered out of Egypt. One night to be delivered. After waiting some 400-something years for a deliverer to show up, we see in the book of Exodus God taking the foolish things of the world to confound, to put to shame the things which are wise, and the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, the Pharaoh and his sorcerers, the magicians, the warlocks, and God bringing in this man with stammering lips, as he said in his word, with stammering lips in another tongue, I will speak to this people, and for all that they still will not understand, but when the children come out, when my people come out, they will know that there is a God, they will know that, that I am the Lord. They will know that it is me that brought them out with a strong hand. A strong hand. He's a mighty God. He's a miracle working God. Then it came to Pharaoh. Then it came to pass. I love when seasons come to pass. Whew. I don't know about you, but sometimes it can seem like seasons last forever. And you're waiting on God. You're waiting on that promise. You're waiting on the fruition of it. You're waiting on the fulfillment of it. Even things in your own life that you may have been struggling with before you even came to Christ. Out of the house of bondage. Out of the land of Egypt. 
But God is still taking the Egypt out of you. When Pharaoh had let the people go, after it came to pass that God did not lead them by the way. I love this. God is so strategic. The Bible says that he did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds. Lest perhaps the people change their minds. Yes, God, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I surrender. I say yes to you, Jesus. I say yes to you, God. But God did not lead them in the way of the land of the Philistines. And if any of you would know, if you would call to remembrance that the Philistines were a gigantic people. They were a people that ruled by fear and intimidation. Sometimes you can't even see the Philistines in your lives, but you can feel the fear. You can feel the intimidation. Oh, God, I don't know if I could go through one more season like this. The pressure is so great. The pressure is so much. It was all hunky-dory and fine when you saved me and I had the butterflies. But now, God, I'm in a place that's a little unfamiliar for me. And I have to trust you. Because if you brought me out of the land of Egypt, you obviously knew what you were doing. But he did not lead them in the way of the land of the Philistines. And uh, some of you will recall to remembrance that it was a Philistine that withstood and defied the armies of the living God when the little shepherd boy David came and took out the giant with just a sling and a rock. We see the, the, the power, the majesty, the magnificence of God and stories like this. This is where God gets glory. This is where God gets praise when he brings us out of things that we know we could have never brought ourselves out of. No doctor in the world, no psychologist in the world, no psychiatrist in the world, no psychotropic medication, no pain pill, no margarita, no joint, no line, no nothing could have brought us out. No matter how much we try to drown out the pain, no matter how much we try to drown out God, there was nothing, and I mean nothing, that could deliver us from the bondage we were living in. But God, God knew that they were getting ready to face some stuff. He said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return. Uh-oh. Lest when they see war, they return after they change their minds back to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. Here God is orderly, merciful, tactful, and strategic. He does not lead them immediately into the land of the Philistines, the giants, although that was near. The Bible says that he did not lead them in the way of the land of the Philistines, although that land was near. Showing us that we're going to have to go through some stuff. 
we're going to have to participate in our deliverance. It's going to be more than just a Sunday sermon, a Christian t-shirt, and hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I got my, my sermon pop up on Sunday morning. Now I'm good to go for the rest of the week. It's going to take some participation with God. God knew that they were not ready to face the giants. God's timing is perfect. He knows what we can't handle. He knows our frame. He knows that we are made of only dust, but we shouldn't give up when things are or get difficult. We shouldn't back down and cower in the face of adversity. We mustn't give in when the crushing and pressure becomes great and intense. We must remember what God has done many of times before us, many a times before us, many a times before us, and for us when we weren't even thinking about him. He was making a way for us. He was pulling us out and what he has promised. We must remember what God has done many a times before us and what he has promised. It will come to pass. What God has spoken, he will fulfill in us and through us as we participate with him, as we receive with a heart of belief that he is who he says he is and that he will do what he said he will do. Even in the land of the Philistines, even in the land of giants, even in the face of adversity, even in the face of doubt, even in the loneliness, even in the depression, even when the enemy's whispering in your ear saying, God isn't listening to your prayers, God doesn't hear you, you're just a filthy You'll never amount to anything. You'll never come out of this darkness. You'll never come out of this addiction. You'll never come out of this stronghold. You'll never be able to give up these imaginations. But when God's delivery system is evident in your life, God's power will bring you not only out, but God's power will bring you through, and God will bring you into a land flowing with milk and honey. God will bring you into a place of abundance. And I'm not just talking finances. I'm talking about a place of abundance mentally. I'm talking about a place of abundance spiritually. I'm talking about a place of abundance of love and joy and peace. What we didn't have when we were in the land of Egypt. And God has already actually done this. And we are getting to constantly experience what he has done in and through Christ because we are, her, we are his and the very trinity of God. Is residing on the inside of you. I don't care how dark that addiction is. You have the power of God living on the inside of you to overcome. He doesn't say you're an overcomer when you overcome. He calls you an overcomer before you overcome because when the attack comes against you, when Satan's strongholds comes against you, he reminds you of who he created who he created you to be so you can come out of that stronghold. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Verse 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day to give them shade from the scorching heat of the sun. He didn't take the pillar of cloud away. And he gave them a pillar of fire by night to keep them warm in a cold place. Exodus 14, verses 8 through 12. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued the children of Israel. 
So the odds were stacked against the children of Israel. It looked as if all hell was breaking loose and they were not going to make it out. Have you ever felt like, have you ever been in a situation in life? Have you ever been in a circumstance walking with God or a season in life walking with God where you thought you just would never make it out? So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pharaoh before Baal-Saphon. And he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. After being weakened for years and being in bondage, they went out with boldness. Can I submit to you that God has given you boldness? He said you shall, just like uh, in the book of Acts when he tells us, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He didn't say you'd receive a feeling because our feelings are not always going to line up with what God says. But by faith, we take that promise that says the children of Israel came out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh his horsemen and his army and overtook them camping by the sea. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt. Have you taken us away to die? In the wilderness. God, I thought we were on a honeymoon. You was romancing me, God. You were wooing me in. Now I'm in this land of giants where I feel like everybody's hands are tied. And you're not allowing me any kind of satisfaction except from you. He's not allowing the Egyptians to overtake them. He's not allowing horses and chariots and an army, uh, army brigade or a military come in there with forces and bring them out of the, 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 the land of Egypt. No, he uses a man who was put inside of a basket on the Nile River, raised in Pharaoh's house to come back and bring out the children of Israel. That's the mighty God that I serve. Is this not the word? That we told you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians. Come on, somebody. For it would have been better. It was better back there. I had instant gratification. I could anesthetize my pain. With whatever it was that was my sin, my pet sin, my stronghold. But now I'm in this place of the giants where my sins are staring me in the face, where my issues are staring me in the face, and I'm in a land where I'm intimidated by fear because, God, I know that you're there. I know that you're real. I know that you hear my prayers, but everything in me is screaming out that I'm not going to make it outside of this. So I would rather die than have to go through this again. I would rather die than to be betrayed again. I would rather die than to be hurt again. I would rather die than to believe in a promise that you gave me and watch it. Not come to pass when I want it. For it would have been better for us to die 
for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Listen, don't die in the wilderness. Don't die in the wilderness. Galatians 4.9, but now after you have known God, or rather are known by God. Yeah, we know God. We're the, we're the Galatian church. We know him, man. He's powerful. He's mighty. Should have seen it. We're caught up in Judaism. We're caught up in all these rituals, man. And yeah, the spirit, man, it just came down and power, poof. These cloven tongues of fire, they were sitting on people, man. It was amazing. And Paul says, after that you have known God or rather known by God. Look at how intimate God is. He says, I know you way better than you think you know me. I know every detail of your life. And I have every second planned out for you. I have every minute purposed for you. What can you offer a God that owns all things? He owns everything, belongs to him. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. What can I offer a God that is so great except give him my broken heart? Give him my broken life. How is it that you turn again to weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? Why is it when things get too hard, things get too challenging, too difficult, too frustrating, too hurtful, too lonely, almost to the point we feel as though we are going to die, like we are not going to make it. We want to run and hide. We want to give up. We want to pick up a drink or a quick relationship. We want to return back to Egypt for some sense of relief, for some sense of familiarity, some false sense of comfort, even though it's what enslaved us, even though it's what's corrupted us, even though it's what separated us from our relationship with God and made us who we were not meant to be. But I serve the devil. Notice tonight, you're not going back to Egypt this time, baby. You're not going back to Egypt this time, baby. You came out of the Holy Spirit fire conference. You came out of the e-course. You came out of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you are not going back to that drink. You are not going back to the internet. You are not going back to that bar you are not going back to that nightclub you are coming into the house of God you are coming into the presence of the living God and you are becoming a new creation in Christ you're not going back to the drugs I said you're not going back to Egypt this time you're not going back to the house of bondage. You're not going back to that abusive relationship. You're not going back to your old ways of thinking and doing things while you're in the wilderness and everything in your flesh is screaming out, just satisfy me. You don't have to deal with this pain of crushing and changing and transformation. You can come out of that. You don't have to live like that. God will forgive you. And yes, he does forgive, and he will forgive, but God did not bring us all he brought us out of to leave us stuck there. You're not going back to your old ways and your old way of thinking and doing things. 
I'm here to remind you what the Apostle Paul wrote for us, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side. It doesn't say we are comforted all the time. The Bible says that we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed. We are wondering. We are like, what's going on, God? We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're not in despair. We don't have to go back to the house of bondage. We don't have to go back to the land of Egypt. We don't have to go back to the dope man. We don't have to go back to the bartender. We don't have to go back to those old familiar relationships. We don't have to go back to those old ways. We don't have to go back to the old way of doing things and our old way of thinking. The Bible says that we are not distressed. We are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also might be made manifest in our mortal bodies. Exodus 14, coming to a close. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them, seeing we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. God went before them and a pillar of a cloud. And Paul tells us about the cloud again, that we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily puts us back, which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking, 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 looking not at yourself, looking not at other people, not judging other people, not criticizing other people's walk, not looking at your mistakes, not looking at your failures, not looking at your setbacks, not looking at what you don't have or where you messed up or where you went wrong but looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of the majesty of God he is a deliverer we're not going back to Egypt then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. The miraculous was happening while they were sleeping. And he made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing What's truth from error? And the waters were divided, so the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground. And the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Hallelujah. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. You're going to have to face some things. You're going to have to go through some things. But God has brought you out. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang, hallelujah. They sang to God like David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. They say, why do you praise God like that why do you give God thanks like that because you weren't there when I was in the house of bondage you weren't there when I was a slave to my sin you weren't there when I had the needle in my arm in the hotel room and people had to give me CPR to come back to life you weren't there when the gun was at my forehead and it didn't go off you weren't there when I was facing three life sentences but God brought me out in eight years you weren't there when God brought me out of the house of bondage you weren't there when God delivered me out of the land of Egypt you weren't there for 
forgive me if I praise him a little loud. Forgive me if I'm a little loud in my expression. But God is a delivering God. God is a miracle-working God. God has brought you out of the house of bondage. God has brought you out of the land of Egypt. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. He didn't bring them out by their tribes. He brought them out by their armies. You are an army of God. You are an army of God. You are a soldier of Christ. The apostle Paul said, no man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has enlisted him to be a soldier. They witnessed firsthand the delivering power and presence of God. They experienced his majesty, his deliverance, and his redemption. Your story is a story of redemption. He redeemed you. He redeemed me. They experienced his comfort and fire so much that they broke out into a song. They saw the Lord fight for them. Yes, he fought for them, and he has fought for us by sacrificing his only son to bring us. Come on, somebody. He sacrificed Jesus to bring us out of that bondage. To bring us out of the world. Look at the world. I don't know about you. I don't want to be a part of it. To bring us out of the slavery of sin and to give us hope, to give us life, to give us restoration and redemption. Look at your neighbor. Go ahead. Don't be ashamed. Say, neighbor, I'm not going back to Egypt. Neighbor, I'm not going back to Egypt. Because God has redeemed me. Give God some praise. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more teaching like this and other material, please visit our website at www.oceansunite.com.